you so much for this absolutely beautiful day. And thank you for strength to rise from our beds of slumber and sleep. Thank you that gift is the gift of sleep is such a wonderful thing. Thank you, Lord, so much for the gift of this day, the gift of time, the gift of friendship, the gift of family and loved ones, the gift of a church, Lord, that you provide a church family where we genuinely care about each other, Lord, and about our world that's lost and headed toward a crisis eternity in the lake of fire. We want to be a part of the work of rescuing the perishing and care for the dying. We ask, Lord, that you would bless and favor us, strengthen us, fill us with the Word of God, and change us as we fight, Lord, daily uh, in this thing called the battle of sin. We ask for the power of the Spirit of God to transform us, to make us lights that shine among darkness in our respective areas of life, at school, in our neighborhoods, in our families, where we work and where we trade and do our business, Lord, we ask for them. We ask, Lord, for any here this morning that have never put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would bow to the command to, to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that today you'd open their heart and give them saving faith by grace. Open the Word of God and teach us now. Change us and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, do take your Bible and look at Ephesians chapter 2. I really appreciate that portion that Bev read. Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, uh, Bev read 1 to 10. And uh, if you notice on the outline, verses uh, 8 and 9 are, are focus sola gratia, as I say. Sola gratia is the name of it. And uh, we're learning a series of five Latin phrases uh, uh, and with purpose. And, uh, and <laughs> you should know, I, I don't want to get you all, like, how can we do this? But I will humble all of us by saying, if we were in the 1500s, uh, seven-year-olds would know all five of these <laughs> Latin phrases that describe the essence of uh, salvation in Christian life. Uh, and not because they knew Latin. Latin was a dead language even then. But uh, they knew that these things codified in the five solas. Uh, sola scripture, sola today, sola today gratia. Uh, and then we'll look at two more in the days to come. The essence of the Christian life, faith in living. And so they, the parents appreciated Roger's message last week on parents and training children. But parents would make so sure that their children knew the essence of the gospel that they rattled these things off by catechisms. And so like, you're saying, like, well, I'm this age, I've never heard this kind of thing. We're just way behind the uh, eight ball. Or we're dumb and dumber. I don't know. Each generation, you know, you read some of those things that they, I have to read them like six or eight times. You read Matthew Henry? Thought he's been through the, his works. How many times, Donnie? You get gold stars for that. I read it, and I have to read it ten times to figure out five times to... Matthew Henry's commentaries. I don't know if you've ever even, uh, even looked at That's not Reader's Digest reading. It's, uh, it's deep and, uh, and so on. So, sola gratia is what we're going to look at today. Uh, what would you consider to be the greatest gifts, let's call it world, gifts that you've ever received in your life? And I, I hope you do think about that. It's a, it's a thankful man or woman 
uh, that uh, that does uh, think about such things. I mean, if you gave some thought, you'd say, well, yeah, I'm glad to be alive, you know? I mean, it's a gift, this thing called life, and it is. It's amazing we live. I mean, uh, there are germs everywhere, bacteria. We're on the decline, right? Dying, you shall die indeed. It's how long can you keep the thing together, take your daily one-a-day vitamin and everything else, right? But it's a, it's a downhill for now, living in this world, right? But I'm here today, and you are, right? We're warm and breathing, but what a great gift. How about some other things? How about your loved ones? You know, the essence of loved ones. I, I've had a joy as a pastor to be around uh, folks as they were just getting ready to exit life. And, uh, you, you know, it's usually not the boys in the office that are surrounding your, the dying bed of a saint. It's, uh, it's the dear ones. It's the close ones. It's the, it's the loving, tender, not only of a few in the church family, depending how tender the moments are in that one's life, but it's only a few family, loved ones, and, and how important, and what a, uh, the blessed is the fruit of the womb, your children, grandchildren, dear ones. How about your opportunities? We land, live in the land of opportunity. Boy, you've been born in some places, you are locked in. I mean, the caste system in India, they say is dead, but not really. It, there's still some of that there. Uh, you know, who are you to think that you could climb the ladder of whatever, Right? And in America, you know, you can be a dumb thumb and start out somewhere and end up being the president, you know. You know, and so I go like, whoa, wow, the and opportunities, community colleges, universities, all these kind of things. You can start a business, uh, all these, well, the land market, you say, wow, that's a gift. How about your health? Don't usually think about that when you're younger, you don't think. Then when stuff starts to happen, right? And uh, you know your the specialists become on your speed dial, and uh, how come I know my first name? This kind of thing. You go, <laughs> health is health. And then and then I saw that I just glanced at the paper. Do you see the paper? You know, Harrisburg Papers is only twenty three times a week. And that front section, I think, is they might just call it the obituary section. Because it's only three days a week. I told three. I think there were five pages of obituaries. They're going to have to do more and more. Uh, pages in that opening section there, and that kind of anyway. Your health is that great? How about food? You know, like in the land of plenty, we hardly think about it, but you know, the whole food chain supply thing and all of that. How about shelter? Aren't you glad with the cold weather you had a warm place to go? I these are how about warm water, showers, toilets indoor? Let me remind you, the property God gave us had outside toilets one of the first things we got rid of there. I mean, that wasn't too long ago. You know, you had to decide when it's 10 degrees. I don't know if I really have to go, you know. <laughs> and, we, and we, you know, these simple things are wonderful blessings. And then how about a blessed church family? That's a wonderful gift that God gives us to each other. I hope you, you consider grace that way and, and sense the love and the love of Jesus here. And, and we just pray that way. How about your political freedom? You can actually stand up and heckle the president in the right setting, you know, and they don't say, hey, off with your head, you know? That in a lot of places, in a lot of years, off with your head is the way it went. Remember David, the guy that, that heckled David? What was his name, Mike, do you know? There's your assignment, this off with his head, remember? Huh? Yes, yes, and then what did he tell his son? Take care of business once I'm gone there, right? <laughs> Solomon took care of business after the funeral. You read that. You read that later. 
Hey, what in the world is he? Anyway, um, <laughs> political freedom. However, how about the one gift that's truly the greatest gift of all? I mean, it's, it really is the forever gift. You ever see that, how the jewelry stores will say, the diamond is a girl's best friend, diamond is a forever gift? It's not really true. <laughs> I mean, is that really true, ladies? Is that, is that the best friend? Dawn, you're not sure. <laughs> it's not really a forever gift, right? When they carry you out, you know, don't go out with your jewels on. You know, like, don't do that. Just leave them to someone else, give them the Lord. I don't know. They're not the forever gift. The forever gift, of course, is your salvation. It is really the forever gift. To have all of your sins forgiven, how great is that? You know, to live a blessed, purposeful life. You know how rare that is? People live without purpose. And now all of a sudden, spiritual eyes, and you live with a purpose. You know who you are, what you're to be doing, and where you're going. You know, most people stumble uh, in the dark. They, they live uh, lives of, uh, I can't think of that expression, what, uh, desperation, quiet desperation. You ever hear that? They live lives of quiet. And, and we, by, by the grace of God, come to, come to know who God is, and we know who we are, that we are going to be doing, and we understand family and life, and why, how does death fit into that, and the cross, and Heaven is the, and the best is yet to come. Holy macaroni. Uh, no wonder Jesus said uh, that in John 10, 10, he that has a son has life, and he has it more abundantly. He wasn't just talking about the endless years of glory. He means life now to the next. You know, even though trouble besets us and tribulations befall us and the world has a futility about it. It does, doesn't it? That's written John Piper this week. He talked about how do we, how to know that the world is really under the wrath of God. And he cited the, a couple things from Romans. He said the clear evidence is, is A, everybody dies. How do you know that all people are under wrath? Did you notice it's 100%? 100% die. So pointed on the man once who died after that the judgment. How do you know second? How about the pure futility of life? I mean, stuff happens, and we go like, oh, I never saw that coming. A man works, a woman works all their life to accumulate a retirement. They say that's a good thing to do. Talk to Greg, right? And then the day after he retires, he gets hit by a bus, or he gets a bad report from the doctor, and he's dead in two months. You go like, or a young, uh, and in our family, you know, a young love of my daughter and her, her lover, uh, uh, the fiance, uh, with his family at a Bible conference from the Naval Academy, driving home, hit by a drunk driver and killed. You say, it's nonsensical. It's uh, utterly mindless. It makes no sense. That's the futility of living life in a broken world. That's the second evidence Piper suggests. We know we live under the wrath of God. And, uh, of course, the third one is Romans, clearly one, where God simply gives up. He gives people up to go. Hell is a place you didn't want me in life, so you don't have me in death forever and ever in the lake of fire, the awfulness of that. And God gave them up. And God gave them to increasing moral degradation. There, and you read that in Romans 1. Well, he that has the Son, if you are saved, you have life and you have it more abundantly. No wonder the Apostle Paul said at one point, 
And he goes like, now I really live. And I know what that is. Even amidst tears and sorrow and uncertainty in the world, I know that God is working all things together for the good, whether I can understand it or not. And you, have you noticed he doesn't check with you first? Hey, would you like this? No, no don't sign me up for that class. No, no. <laughs> have you ever done that? I'm the one who, no. And, but we know and we rest that he is all wise, he is all loving, and he is good. Well, salvation is God's gift to you. It is a gift. Sola gratia is the third of five Latin phrases that emerged from the Reformation, that's the 1500s, that summarize the essentials of the Christian life and practice. It is the grace that is truly amazing. And John Newton, John Newton knew of this grace, and we sang amazing grace. We just sang that. John Newton lived a horrendous lifestyle. He was a sinner like us, and but in his own degrees, a slave trader and drunkard and carouser and all that, and the, the shipwrecked, and the grace of God found him, and he was wonderfully saved, and God used all of that a long time ago to pen amazing grace. I do think it's amazing that that song is so popular in the common culture in which we live. You'll hear people singing at football games while they're, you know, like, yeah, you know, and they're singing Amazing Grace. And they're like, wow, out of the mouth of babes and whatever else, God is being praised. But it's still true. Well, three reasons why it's important, so important for you and I to understand solo gratia. Otherwise, otherwise, you may miss out. You may miss out on the glory of heaven and the fullness of life now. For I remind you that the doorway to heaven is very, very narrow. Jesus said that. It's like the turnstile. If you go to a larger city, a lot of times they'll have subways and underground, and you go through the turnstile and get your ticket. And that's the kind of narrow opening Jesus was talking about when he says narrow is the way. It's the turnstile. You can only go through one at a time. It's narrow. But broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many are on that path. So I say don't miss it. Don't miss out on the most amazing gift ever, ever given. Uh, so, so the first reason, sola gratia, is the distinguishing characteristic of the genuine gospel, grace. Grace is the essence of God's work all lesser gospels mix grace with human goodness, and they end up paving the way to hell. It's uh, nine years ago, uh, we, or a little more than nine years ago, we, the men sat down and were given the charge to write the founding uh, papers and doctoral statement practices, and we worked through that in, in multiple meetings, used some the good uh, things that were done in other churches why I reinvent the world, but we went through a word by word, sentence by sentence. Gary Helso was reminding me of that when I saw him last week. He said, well, you remember we spent four hours, three times, uh, spending going through that laboriously, adding, changing, and then we voted for that. And then as a part of that, we said, what shall we name? We thought, officially, what shall we name, uh, uh, given that uh, a wonderful opportunity, name our church? And so it just seemed to be, I had the thought, well, I sort of love grace. And grace sort of says it all, and we are a church, and community em emphasizes the closeness of the body, the local body in community. Not, not the moral girl man separate out on her own, but we need each other. We need that in the body. So 
Grace Community Church. And it seemed to be an idea received by all of them. The men loved it, and it's been grace, and we affectionately call it Grace Church. I love that, and I tell so many people about Grace Church, and it emphasizes this uh, distinguishing characteristic of the genuine gospel. Again, uh, A, the Latin word sola means alone or only. You, you would know that. Uh, Josh uh, Nestor is uh, in his third year studies at Liberty, and uh, he was with us over the break. Now he's back down at the university, and he's studying uh, aviation. I had a chance to talk to him about uh, flying and how's it flying down there in Lynchburg, and he's, uh, he's got his, uh, uh, his license, or he's working towards his license, getting his hours, but he has flown solo. Is, is that not right, Rob? Yeah, they, they, get, they get you out there pretty early and you're flying. And I was asking him, has he seen Jerry's grave and all that, as he flies over in Lynchburg and this kind of a thing. But solo, sola, alone. He's flying alone. And we, we understand what that is in English. Incidentally, uh, just this is a, for whatever it's worth, Colin, uh, English is made up of German and Latin. Did you know that? If you talk to a Latin professor, he'll say English is 60% Latin, 40% German. If you talk to a German professor, he goes the other way. It's 60% Deutsch, and it's 40% Latin. Anyway, it's mixed all the way through there, and uh, we're all kind of guinea pigs and half-breeds and Heinz 57, my mother used to say. But sola, and so it comes into the English, solo uh, uh, means all by itself or alone. Sola gratia, simply acknowledging that the scriptures teach that the totality of our salvation from beginning to end is a gift of grace from God himself. Now look at that Ephesians chapter 2 that, uh, that Bev read earlier, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through the channel of faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not of any works so that no man may boast. I did this, or I did that, or I'm better than you. For we are His workmanship from beginning to end, created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works, which God prepared before Him that we should walk in them. In other words, God has saved you and I by grace if you're saved. He's already ordained the things that we would do with our life after that, and then the rest of our life is, is doing the things that God has already designed and prescribed for us, according to verse 10. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now, I was a young boy at First Baptist Church in North Carolina, and uh, I happened to go one evening to the youth group. They had a 5 o'clock youth group. And I had learned at that point, uh, John 3.16, memorized that. And uh, as I came that night, sat around a circle with Mrs. Dorothy Peters. I was remember these names, these saints that are in glory. Oh, um, and she was a gal who had uh, had polio, and she always walked with sort of a you know a deformed walk because of that. I sort of imitated her with my hip. But uh, the verse that she was not made not, not boys and girls. You must all learn. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I thought, I'll never memorize it. It's too, it's got too many commas in it and too many. She went over and over and over. I'm glad to say this is the second verse. The second memory, it was this is verses 8 and 9, John 3, 16 first, that, that God had me memorize in my life and how formative it was. What a great gift to hide this in my heart. 
this, this grace that you're saved. Charis is the Greek word. It uh, comes in English. Uh, uh, so we know folks named Charis. Charis, Claudio, Cap. Carry can be a form of that in the English. Charis uh, is, uh, is the Greek word itself. So if you can say Charis, you know Greek, and it's the word. And it, and it means unmerited favor, gift. It really means undeserved favor. I mean, it's the opposite. We're not neutral and like, oh, I don't deserve that. No, we don't deserve it. And he gives it to us. That's the emphasis of it in, in, in color and so on. So it is the acknowledgement, see, that salvation from the wrath of God is based on God's grace and mercy and not anything good in us. Now just keep your finger in Ephesians, but look over at Titus uh, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Other verses that are just part of the bedrock that you should know these uh, to be able to share with people uh, God's wonderful gospel. Uh, he saved us. The ESV translates it, uh, um, and, I, and my problem is I learned it in a different translation. Memorize it, that is. Verse 5, 3, 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And how did he do that? By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, and he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Not, the King James had it the way I learned it was, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. You see, it's, it's by grace, it's his mercy, it's undeserved, it's not something we earn, it's a gift. And it's the acknowledgement that I believe that. This teaching is often rejected because people do not want to accept that the Bible clearly teaches about the basic condition of the human nature since the fall of Adam in Genesis chapter 3. You see, that one of the problems, we have a lot of problems in our day, right, living in a broken world, but well, one of the key problems, and you see it everywhere, you see it everywhere, is this, this entitlement mentality. I mean, and somehow people have this idea that they innately deserve something. Yeah, they deserve something, but not quite what they're thinking. They deserve. I deserve a break today. I deserve to get, you know, this. And I deserve to have this. This, this somehow we think because we deserve it, we're owed it, therefore, and it comes into uh, spiritual type things, and therefore God owes me. And he owes it to me to take me to heaven. After all, I'm not as bad as Hitler or one of these. And that's a very common line of thinking. But the reality is, the biblical reality, and if that is the reality, is nothing could be further from the truth. If God gave us what we deserved, if what we're entitled to, we'd be out of here right now, yesterday. And it would be a hot experience. Out. And I don't plead for uh, justice. I cry out for God's mercy and, and so on. Well, what does the Bible say? It says, number one, our hearts are deceitful. You know you have a deceitful heart. I hope you know that. In our hearts, even our best motives are twisted. And, and we can't even dissect it. Did you ever take biology where you had to dissect the frog? Kind of stretched them out there and all that thing. How many of you did that, Richard? You're nodding in it. How many of you did it unofficially out in the fields? <laughs> take that critter apart and see how it works. <laughs> I did that way before biology class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dissecting, yeah, yeah. I mean, have you ever really dissected something? I mean, it's a, uh, 
that's a nauseating thing. Even our best mode of work, I think there's something there. Oh, I don't want it to be. It's so mixed. Our hearts will deceive. There is a deceitfulness of sin. It's a, it just twisted. Even our best motives. Uh, desperately wicked. How about that for Jeremiah 17.9? You know, that, uh, that kind of runs com uh, counter to the book that's titled few years ago, I'm okay, you're okay. Did you ever see that? I'm, <laughs> I'm okay, you're okay, not. We said that a few years ago. <laughs> that's a problem. Jeremiah 17. Now, what else is the Bible? Furthermore, there, and it says, there are none righteous, no, not one. There is, now, in case you didn't get it, now get all these negatives now. There is none that understand. There is none that seeks after God. None. Romans 3, 10 through 11. And if you miss that, you, this, this appears all the way through Scripture. We see it in Psalm 14. If you miss it there, Psalm 53 says the same thing. I mean, like, mm, you've got to keep saying it. And my professor used to say, it's like driving the nail and we just got to keep it. Your heads are like blockheads. We got God has to keep telling us, wait a minute, your hearts are desperately wicked. You're not good. There's no that one. There's none that seek God. Now, I've seen the bumper sticker that says, Wise men still seek him. Have you seen that? Wise men still seek him. And I say to that, uh, yes, and I say no to that. What do I mean? Well, when you're lost and uh, in darkness and you love sin and you're born that way and you don't know Christ, no one is seeking him. No one. I don't care how smart you are. If you've got 1,600, is that still the top grade on SAT? I don't care on that. No one seeks him. No one. Nobody. We're Adam and Eve's children. We're hiding among the trees of the field in education, money, pleasure, laziness, whatever. That's us. And God comes to the cool day. Adam, where are you? God's calling out, right? Seeking us. Wise men don't seek him that way if they're lost. No way. Now, there's a sense if it means uh, that if you come to know Christ, and a wise man says, boy, I want to fill my mind with God's word and seek his wisdom and seek God in decisions and seek him during the day. Yes. Yes. That's, I, I trust God's making wise and wiser. And uh, I'm seeking his counsel. So yes, but not in my sin, not in my lostness. No, 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 no one seeks after God on the street. All of us then are, are by birth totally helpless and hopeless if left to ourselves. You know, they say of all the, all the offspring that are born, a human child is the most helpless. I mean, it is pretty amazing. They come out, they can't do anything. You couldn't even wipe your nose. You couldn't, nothing. You couldn't feed yourself, couldn't find your mouth. Imagine that, horror of horror. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> We were helpless. I mean, it's amazing when a, a horse gives birth to a, 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 a colt and a colt within a few moments standing up. You know, like it takes, what, a year? <laughs> Pretty helpless. And God has reason for that because that baby needs to be held and loved and nurtured and cared for. And, 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 and having children is God's way of growing the parents up. Have you ever noticed that? It really, sort of works that way. Like, you know, I thought I was selfish, but uh, now I realize how much I was selfish, and then God has a way of chiseling away through the rearing of children that are even as selfish as you were, but you didn't realize it. And it's a wonderful process. It takes a long time, but totally spiritually helpless by birth, and therefore hopeless. Yet most people want to believe that they have a role to play in their salvation, if they embrace any kind of thought of heaven or Jesus 
or, or uh, being saved. One man writes, Western culture, that's our culture, is so saturated with the idea that we are masters of our own destiny, captains of our own souls, so that the idea that we are without hope, apart from, apart from, based solely on the grace of God, is foreign to our way of thinking. I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. This, this idea of, uh, of I'm a captain of my own soul, I'm the master of my own destiny, uh, in, in, in any event, that's exactly right. How many of you uh, saw the film with uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, Invictus? Did you see that? Invictus film? Yeah, that was uh, quite an exceptional uh, South African rugby and all that that went into that. And Invictus. Invictus, uh, so-called, came from a writing by William Ernest Henley. Now this, uh, to, to show you the culture, so many valedictorians and Victorians at commencement addresses will refer to this, uh, this little poem on Invictus uh, that originally was not given the name Invictus, was added later, uh, written uh, in the uh, 1875 by William Hen Ernest Henley, and uh, they'll include such statements of, uh, of human self-mastery and captain of my own ship. Uh, I, I, th I thought it's interesting that uh, uh, William Ernest Henley, the, the author of this, 1875, uh, he, uh, he lost a leg early on, he got TB, and he was going to lose the other leg, and uh, the, he had a very terrible, poor upbringing, and he was a writer, and, and uh, he uh, ended up writing this text that was included in a group of his, the Oxford Book of English Verse, Untitled, and they put the word Invictus, which means unconquered, incidentally, in Latin, unconquered. Uh, and uh, let me just read it to you. It kind of expresses the dark, dismal hopelessness, and yet the defiance that somehow I'm the master of my own fate is what uh, you'll hear at commencement addresses very, very often. Out of the night that covers me, that's darkness, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloodied but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the honor of the shade, and yet the menace of the years, that's death, finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And, and those few words uh, taken uh, describe in our culture many people's thinking insofar as the way they view themselves, their entitlement before God, if there is God, uh, that I am uh, better than what the scripture says, and therefore they reject John Newton's song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch. A wretch? Who's that? That must be my neighbor, not me. You know, a wretch like my neighbor, not me. There, I think you changed the wording of it. Holy cow. Well, sola gratia is the distinguishing mark, if you will, of the genuine gospel. It is a grace from beginning to end. Second, reason uh, that it is so important for you and I to have a firm handle on this salvation by grace alone. 
Sola Grati is the only gospel that saves. All others fall short in the propagating a sort of good news that does not save. How important is that? John MacArthur thought the gospel so important to get it right that he spent a whole text writing, what is the gospel of Jesus? I mean, you can be wrong in math. I was never really too good in math and didn't understand quantum mechanics and that chemistry. That was utterly familiar. Subatomic particles and weight. I don't know what the world he was talking about. In literature, I read Shakespeare. I couldn't understand that old English and all that in, in, in any of it. Look, you can be wrong on all that stuff, but this is a thing you do not want to be wrong on. Like, you don't want to miss this one. Okay? It's sort of that important, absolutely. The alternative on your sheet, the alternative sola gratia is a gospel that depends on the goodness of man. And that sort of describes all other isms. It's man making his way by doing certain things to please the God. It's not the gospel. Sola gratia is what makes the gospel good news. I mean, we're dead and God saves us. He does it all. He seats us. He pursues us. He is the great lover. I mean, uh, he's a, he, and read First John, and, and God is a God of love, God of light, God, uh, and everyone who's born of God loves. It's the love of Jesus. You don't even have to work it up. It's the Spirit of God that in the New Testament teaches you to love and have the compassion of Jesus for, for other saints and for all people. You have a compassion there. You realize the pit of where God took you, and he said, You got to God did it all. He saved me. Why me? I wouldn't have saved me. What a crumb I am. And I still battle sin, and it's two steps forward, one back, and, and, uh, and so on. And that's why we need each other to help each other. We're talking about that with Mike when we took a break yesterday, cutting up some of that. Look, we talked about how we need each other. You know, and I need the body, and you need me, and we need each other. And you go like, he sees the bullshit going off the path. you got to love me. He say, hey, see, get back, man. Get back. Where are you going? Whoa, oh, thank you. You see, that's, that's the body. That's the body. He's going, yep, there was another one. Walked off a short pier. Off. <laughs> another one gone. Cross them out. No, we need each other. It's a body relationship. And that's the church. And that's Grace Church. And that's the love of God. That's the gospel. It's all of God. It's not of us. All others fall short. That's what Jesus said in Luke 19.10. Don't you love it? And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. In one sentence, Jesus described his whole life and work in coming in such humility. That's Bethlehem. That's the suffering week. That's the crucifixion, the resurrection, his ascension. Why, Lord, are you here? Why? I came to seek and to save those that are lost. And that's what we ought to be doing as God does it through us to touch other people's lives with the love of Jesus. And I pray that we'll do that more and more and more as a church. Right? Amen. It is God who acts first. He's the initiator. Incidentally, men, that's why you occupy that headship in your home. Uh, God is the initiator. And uh, he initiated God's love of the world that he gave he provided the Lord Jesus Christ. And men, you ought to be the initiator, the, the builder, the protector, the initiator in your families. You should. And the day with all this world confusion, it's 
it's utterly, we're all the same just about. No, God has different roles to play. Uh, we're different by distinction, equal before God in every way. But for purposes of function, there is subordination there, voluntarily. You see that in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so men, lead, lead. Don't be passive. Passivity among men today. One of the big problems in our churches and in our homes. God acts first. God who draws the wretched sinner to himself. God who gives new life to a person who is dead in sin, trespasses in sin. Those who deny sola gratia end up with a gospel that has God bringing the sinner so far along the path of salvation that it leaves it up to him to save himself. You come up with a, with a, a defective gospel presentation. I mean, you see it. Some of you perhaps you can see it in the little gospel tracts. I mean, you love their heart and their desire to want to get the gospel, but it's, it's the wrong representation. It says, like, God is voted, and they'll show a little box with a check, and, and uh, Satan is voted, and it's got that. Now, and it's an open box, you make the deciding vote. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, it, there's a sense where uh, it seems to go down that way. I mean, I heard the gospel. God uh, opened my heart. I responded. I received Jesus. But never forget, like old Doc Barnett in the church I grew up used to teach, the, uh, the gospel is whosoever will, there's a general call to all people everywhere to repent and to believe the gospel. It, there is, you see that. Jesus preached to the crowds, and yet not all of them are saying, you see that. A general, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So it's like that doorway over there, and when you look at it, there's a sign hanging over it, whosoever call us on, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, and what not everyone does. And goes, oh, that's crazy. I mean, the cross and a dead man and he ride? No way. And some like, well, well, that's interesting. I don't know about that. Maybe later. But some go like, oh, yes. Oh, it spoke to me. I'm a sinner. How did, the, how did he know that? And you're exposed. And all of a sudden, you're drawn to the Savior. And, and the gift of faith, we saw that last time. And you respond by rejecting faith and repentance, and you walk through the threshold of that doorway, yes, the general whosoever shall come, and God is drawing out of people, and then if you were to look back at the threshold on the other side, after having been saved, elect before the foundation of the world, then you discover usually later, you go like, oh, I didn't know that, Ephesians 1? You mean God has chosen the people before the foundation of the world to be his peculiar people? Peter said, calls us peculiar, and we are, and, we, and, and, and that's right. And God is doing it, and he has done it all, and to all we owe. And so uh, such a, a gospel, God voted, Satan voted, now you vote, uh, it, it, it gets sort of in the arena, but it gives too much false teaching there. It's not up to us. It's not a cooperative effort of sorts. This is... This is a grace plus work type of thing when you get into that. You're lost in Galatians where they were thinking Jesus plus the law. Jesus died and I'm trying to keep the law. That's our, that's our culture. People know anything. They have a memory about God in heaven and salvation. They go like, well, yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. 
think they know George Washington was the president of the United States at first, and I'm trying to, I mean, I'm not as bad, and they're, they're weighing their, their works and efforts. And it's not by works of righteousness at all. It's a finished work. It's all of grace. It's the greatest gift ever. It's not Jesus plus you. That's another gospel. For the unregenerate man will never, or woman will never respond in faith to the gospel until the Spirit of God calls him. Well, the third and last reason why it's so important for you to understand sola gratia is that sola gratia is the, is the basis for our assurance of salvation. I love the fact that, uh, that you can know Jesus as your Savior and know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I love that. It's not, he loves me, he loves me not. Did you ever, ever date someone who, she loved you, and the next day, what? Oh my, she doesn't love me anymore. Oh no, now she loves me today. You know, she smiled at me. No, no. No, no, she doesn't love me now. And some people have a terrible idea about God and this gift of salvation that he gives. And then, because of what we sin, we're sinners, and we're like, I, I think I've lost it. And what a terrible thing. The, God gives the assurance of salvation to those that He saves. It is His work, bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And uh, it, this sola gratia is the basis of the assurance of our salvation. If we deny sola gratia, then at the same time, we lose confidence in any gums that we have that we might have been saved. I mean, if our salvation depends on something that you do and something that I do, then uh, it would be impossible for us to know that we did enough. I mean, when is enough enough? I don't know if I did enough. I'll lay down at night and be like, I wonder if I did enough. Oh, maybe I didn't. And if I die before I wake, oh, Lord, I didn't do enough. And it's just this. And then as we become, if we live long enough, we get more feeble. Have you ever noticed that name, rank, and serial number? I saw the one thing where the kids wrote the name, his name, and, and they put it on his shirt. <laughs> My name is. I told my kids better have to do that. Then I'd be able to look down. Oh yeah, I'm Terry. You know, <laughs> and that's the way it is. And, and imagine that as we go feeble, and we still don't have the assurance. It's all of His. It's all of grace. He never takes it back. Declared righteous based on the righteousness of God. It's the greatest gift ever. And that's what you and I are giving you. Go into all the world and give the gift out. Just announce to people this great. It's great news. <laughs> Greater news than Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, I saw a lady with a Bills shirt on. She walked in and came right and hey, there's the Bills. I like that. And uh, I heard three people started yelling at me like they like that. A lady was winning. <laughs> Holy cow. That'd be great news. Far greater than that. Far greater than, what is that, Publisher's Query? I keep getting the, I don't know how they get that junk mail on my, I keep getting this PC something. I'm, I can win this something somewhere else, and, and if we do, we'll go down there. We'll take everyone down there. I don't know how that works, but far greater than that. Far greater than that is the assurance that we have that's saved forever, kept. It's his work. It's a finished work. And this is the reason we can know that Jesus will never lose any that the Father's given to him in John 6.39. What a great verse. Make sure you read that. We are eternally secure, forever held by the Lord Himself. If not, if it's based on me, when is enough enough? Jo uh, Josiah Condor wrote in 1836 this little poem, "'Tis not that I did choose thee, 
he writes, "'Tis not that I did choose thee for a word that could not be, this heart would still refuse thee, hadst thou not chosen me. Thou from the sin that stained me hast cleansed and set me free, of old thou hast ordained me that I would live in thee. Twas sovereign mercy called me and taught me my only mind. The world had else enthralled me to heavenly glories bind. My heart owns none before thee, for thy rich grace I thirst. This knowing if I love thee, thou must have loved me first. Amen. Old English, real hard to, to read and get the rhythm. Well, what can we say? Lessons for our life. Number, number one. Have you come, let me ask you, in the quietness here, have you come to realize your lost condition? Have you? Have you really come to realize all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Have you responded to God's, not suggestion, it's a command. The, the command is repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your son. Have you? Have you really come to that point? If not, you should know that through my voice and through the word, through the spirit, Jesus is calling today. He's calling you to, to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus. I've said before, I don't, as much as lies within me, I don't want to get to heaven because I'm going to look around and count noses. That was my mother's expression. With seven kids, you count noses. Okay, we're all here. <laughs> I gotta count noses when I get there. I don't want to see every one of you. Man. I want to see your loved ones. You know? I do. Number two, never forget that your salvation is the greatest gift ever. I love it when we open it and pray for uh, things that we're thankful for. And I hear you, each of you, and almost at the beginning, many of you will say, and Lord, I just want to thank you again for saving me. And then you go on to express something more current that God has done in your life. And I think that's right. I think that every day, to express it to the Lord, you saved the wretch like me. Man, the best is yet to come. And if you are saved, thank the Lord for giving his life to pay for your sin and fill your life with gratitude. That attitude of gratitude is so blessed and beautiful. It'll change living in a rough and tumbled and upside down broken world. You'll shine. People will wonder about you. They'll think you're out of your mind. Why, why do they seem to have sort of a joy there? And joy, I'm telling you, I think that's one of the greatest byproducts of salvation. Joy. C.S. Lewis wrote the book, Surprised by Joy. Joy, what a great thing. Number three, marvel at the glory of our wonderful God who initiates and saves wretched people like a marvel. It's his glory to do that. He is the great initiative. He is the great prime mover. Number four, never buy our culture's current belief in the innate goodness of men and women. No, we are all born under the terrifying wrath of God and we're hopeless, helpless, left to ourselves. Hear Paul's words, O wretched man that I am. That's the Apostle Paul. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. That sweetest name of all. And number five, rejoice, since God has done everything to save us, we can do, uh, we can and do have the assurance, the, the security. He said, Lord, wow, what a salvation is this. Sola gratia. 
saved by grace alone. Praise God, shall we pray. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful word, and thank you for the, the word of grace, Lord, that summarizes the great gift that your salvation is. And I, I pray, Lord, even now for any that have never trusted you, maybe for the first time you spoke to their heart and you draw them, you're drawing them. May they come and, and respond and say yes to repentance and give repentance and faith and, and save them, Lord. I pray for that. Lord, uh, may we take each one of us that know you this simple message, Sola Gratia, into the world this week and, and look for folks that you would want us to speak to and encourage them that they too might enter in and receive the greatest gift ever. Thank you so much. We love you. Make us a blessing this week. And for our brief business meeting to follow, Father, we thank you for leading us, carrying us, providing for us all the way. And continue, Father, in our days to come to make that grace of each head for the gospel to reach many, many people for Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.